We're back in the book of Acts, and we finished two weeks ago in Acts chapter 10. And uh, now we're going to be in Acts chapter 11. And I've, I've entitled the message today, Good Maps Take You to Good Places. Versus old maps that won't take you to new places. I remember growing up when my dad would load us up in the station wagon, literally, a brown station wagon. And uh, we would get in, and if he would, and it was, it was summer, it was family vacation time, and if we would stop at a gas station, and he would come back into the vehicle with one of these. Uh, those of you under 30, this is a map. <laughs> and they used to be free at gas stations. When he would jump in the car with one of these, I knew as a little kid, we were on an adventure. I knew that we were going to go to a new place. And I also knew that in about two or three hours, he and my mom would be arguing about the directions on this map. <laughs> but that's okay, because we were going someplace new. You know, maps today like this are basically uh, going the way of the cassette tape or the black and white TV with modern technology and GPS uh, uh, technology. Matter of fact, how, how many of you have a old school map in your car right now in the parking lot? Raise your hand. Everyone over 50, that's right, okay. <laughs> uh, you know, maps can be fun because maps can take you, if you have the right map, can take you to a good place. This map happens to be of uh, the city of San Antonio. Uh, literally about nine years ago, ten years ago, shortly after we had arrived here, Gloria and I and the kids drove to San Antonio for family vacation, and we picked up this map. I, I looked in a closet in a box to find this, by the way, okay? Um, and maps are awesome because, like, this map, you know, to San Antonio, I mean, it covers all the different streets, so we wanted to make sure that we would not get lost. There you have it. You need a college degree just to read the map, right? And how does that fit inside of the front seat of the car, right? I mean, it's just crazy. And then here's the most challenging thing. Not reading the map, but after you open it up, folding it back. So I'm going to ask Pastor Tommy to go ahead and do that. And I'll probably finish preaching before he finishes putting that map back together. But listen, if, if I handed you a map to San Antonio and you were in Austin, you're never going to find your way around. You're going to be frustrate, frustrated the whole time because you have the wrong map. You know, in life, many people were handed, have been handed the wrong map, maybe by a parent maybe by a school, uh, maybe by a church or by a religion or by, by a denomination. And many of us are navigating through this world and we have the wrong map. In Acts chapter 11, we're going to read a lengthy section of Scripture. We're going to read 18 verses of Scripture. And what we read in Acts chapter 11, verses 1 through 18, is almost word for word the identical story of what happened in Acts chapter 10. But because this incident... This event that happened in Acts 10 was so important to our Christian faith and to our history as Christians. Did you know this story is repeated three times in the book of Acts? When it occurred in Acts 10, here in Acts 11, and then once again in Acts 15. So go with me to Acts chapter 11, verse 1, and we'll start reading. Soon the news reached the apostles and the other believers in Judea that the Gentiles had received the word of God. But when Peter arrived in Jerusalem, the Jewish believers criticized him. You entered the home of Gentiles and even ate with them, they said. Then Peter told them exactly what had happened. I was in the town of Joppa, 
He said, and while I was praying, I went into a trance and saw a vision. Something like a large sheet was let down from, by its four corners from the sky, and it came right down to me. And when I looked inside the sheet, I saw all sorts of small animals, wild animals, reptiles, and birds. And I heard a voice say, get up, Peter, kill and eat them. No, Lord, I replied. I've never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure or unclean. But the voice from heaven spoke again. Do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. This happened three times before the sheet and all it contained was pulled back up to heaven. Just then, three men who had been sent from Caesarea arrived at the house where we were staying. The Holy Spirit told me to go with them and not to worry that they were Gentiles. These six brothers here accompanied me and we soon entered the home of the man who had sent for us. He told us how an angel had appeared to him in his home and had told him, send messengers to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He will tell you how you and everyone in your household can be saved. You know, it's God's promise that he wants not only you, but everyone in your household, everyone in your family, every relative to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Verse 15. As I began to speak, Peter continued, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as he fell on us at the beginning. Then I thought of the Lord's words when he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And since God gave these Gentiles the same gift he gave us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to stand in God's way? Who are we? to ever stand in God's way. Verse 18. When the others heard this, they, were stopped, they stopped objecting and began praising God. They said, We can see that God has also given the Gentiles the privilege of repenting of their sins and receiving eternal life. Can we thank God for the reading of the Holy Scriptures? Yes, Lord. So you know, for thousands of years, the, the Jewish people had been given a map, the Old Testament. And this map told them what, who to associate with, who not to associate with, what to wear, what not to wear, what to eat, what not to eat, how to do this and how to do that. And they had lived their entire lives following this map, this road map, navigating through this world. Now, much has changed. They're in a new dispensation. They're in a new covenant. And now God in Acts 10 was handing them a new map that was going to take them to far, far away places. A map that was going to take them beyond the borders of the Holy Land, beyond the borders of their Jewish faith. That map was going to take them into the Gentile world. Matter of fact, that map was going to take them to the four corners of the world because Jesus in the Great Commission looked at his disciples and he said, go in all the world and preach the gospel to every living creature. To go in all the world they didn't understand it then, but it meant the Gentile world. And so Peter, when he stepped in Cornelius' house for the first time, a Jew entering a Gentile house, a Christian Jew entering a Gentile house, history was made. And initially, the headshots, the big shots back in Jerusalem, the head honchos, they were criticizing Peter that he was even 
caught in a home with Gentiles, that even broke bread with Gentiles until they understood the vision, the sheep being let down from heaven, filled with all types of unclean animals. And when God said, Peter, rise and eat, kill and eat, he said, no, no, I've never, never eaten anything like that. But now God was giving them a new map, and that map would lead them to new places, good places. You know, maybe you've been given the wrong map in life. Maybe your parents meant well, but they gave you a map and it's led you down a road, or it has led you down roads that have led you away from God, away from God's love, away from God's forgiveness. Maybe you're traveling on the wrong road today. Maybe you're on a road of unforgiveness. Maybe you're traveling down the road of offense. Maybe you're traveling down the road of addiction. Well, God can give you a new map. And when God gives you a new map, it'll take you to new places. It'll take you to better places. And I want to talk to you about three good maps that God wants to give you. First of all, God wants to give you the good map of His presence. The good map of God's presence. There's nothing like God's presence. You know when it's there and you know when it's not. And you know when you've entered into it. The Bible says that we're to enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. I'll tell you, thankful people are praising people, and praising people are people who have spent time and spend time in the presence of God. We all know people that have been far away from the presence of God far too long. You see it. You see it in their countenance. You see it in their attitude. You see it in their behavior. You see it in their speech. But oh, you know the people that have been with God, the people that have been in the presence of God. The Bible says in Psalm 16, in his presence is the fullness of joy. At his right hand are pleasures forevermore. There's nothing like the presence of God. And God's word is a map that leads us into the presence of God. Now, I know every, every Bible has it. The back section of the Bible has the maps section. Come on, be honest. How many of you actually look through those maps and study them? Okay, about three of you. That's cool. You guys are awesome. I don't even look at the maps, okay? I'll tell you, the maps aren't the inspired Word of God. Genesis 1 to Revelation 2 are the inspired Word of God. And those are the maps that really matter. The spiritual map of God's Word that will lead you and guide you along the right paths in life. The psalmist said it this way in Psalm 43, verse 3. Give me your lantern and compass. Give me a map. Say that. Let's all say that together. Give me a map, right? I want your map, God, the map for my life, so I can find my way to the sacred mountain, to the place of your presence. You know, there is a sacred mountain. I love the sons of Korah. They wrote Psalm 42, 43, and many of the other psalms. And during a very difficult time, even a time of deep depression, which is mentioned here in Psalm 43, that why is, your soul, why is my soul cast down? This beautiful song that they wrote that King David would sing that brought great comfort to King David and spoke about the sacred mountain of God's presence. You see, there are sacred mountains in the, in the life and the history of the Jewish people. Mount Zion, Mount Sinai, where God met with Moses face to face. And all Moses wanted was to see the glory of God. Imagine that. What do you want, Moses? Riches, fame? No, I want to see your glory. I want to see... He was even bold enough to say, I want to see your face. And God says, well, you can't see my face. 
But I'll let you see my hinder part. My, my, that's King James. I'm not cursing. I'm, my hinder part that, in the King James, that's my, that's my backside. So imagine Moses is on the sacred mountain of God's presence, and God says, look away, look away. He's in the cleft of the rock. Only Christ, being hidden in Christ, will allow you to see God's glory and witness God's glory. Come on, somebody. I'm preaching now. Are you following me? And so God says, look away, look away. And as soon as he passed by, he says, now you can look. And he looked, and he saw the, the backside of God. How many know Moses was never the same? Simply because he was in the presence of God and he saw the backside of God. Wow. We can see the glory of God, the Bible says, in the face of Jesus. What am I saying? There's nothing like being in the presence of God. One time, God threatened, he threatened Moses that he was so irritated with the children of Israel and their stubbornness in the wilderness. He said, okay, I'm not going to be with you anymore. I'm going to send an angel to lead you. He said, oh, no, wait, time out. <laughs> Moses started to negotiate. He said, I just want you to let you know, God, I'm not going anywhere. We are not going anywhere unless you guarantee your presence will go with us. He said, okay, okay. You see, God's presence was, the, was, was with them at night by a fire, a fire by night. They would protect them and keep them warm at night in the desert. And a cloud by day. And when the cloud would move, they would move. When the cloud wouldn't move, they wouldn't move. God's presence was everything. God's presence needs to be everything to us. To be in his presence, there's nothing in the world that can compare with it. To be in his presence as we pray, as we read scripture, as we meditate on it, to be in his presence with other believers as we're having a Bible study or fellowship time, to be in his presence on a Saturday night or, or on a Sunday morning. There's nothing that takes the place. Thank God if you're traveling, you can watch it on Facebook Live. But Facebook Live can never take the place of actually being together in the house of God with the people of God. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about the sacred mountain of God's presence. Have you been on that road? Are you on that road that leads you into God's presence? Has that road been, become overgrown with weeds and filled with potholes? It can be repaired. It can be restored. And we should treasure the presence of God. Jesus talked about treasures in the Gospels. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, he said, For where your treasure is, your heart will also be. So when we treasure the presence of God, then our heart will be in that, wanting to enter into that presence and treasuring that presence. This has been in the news. Perhaps you've heard of it. There's an eccentric author by the name of Forrest Fenn. And in one of his poems, there's a, a code in there that is a a treasure map to a treasure that he said he's buried somewhere in the mountains of New Mexico. It's worth about $2 million. It's filled with gold and special gems, he said. Two people, unfortunately, in search of this hidden treasure have lost their lives. Most recently, a pastor from Colorado they found uh, dead searching for this treasure. Matter of fact, the New Mexico State Police have asked Forrest Fenn to stop the charades and to, and to you know, dig up this treasure and, and, and not challenge people to find it and to decode the hidden treasure map in one of his poems. You see, I'll tell you the treasure we should all be looking for is not Forrest Fenn's treasure in the land of entrapment. I mean the land of enchantment. <laughs> but we should be on a treasure hunt for the presence of God. Take me back to that sacred mountain of your presence. Give me the map, God, to your presence. I long for your presence. 
Jesus said in John 13, 44, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure, a treasure that a man found in a, in a, in a parcel of land and when he discovered it, he buried it again and then he went and he sold everything that he had so that he could buy that parcel of land because that land had the treasure inside of it. You see, when we understand the treasure that we have, not out there, not over here, not, but the treasure is the kingdom of God, we'll give everything, everything, sell out everything to know that we have and keep that treasure. I'm talking about the treasure of God's presence in your life, in your home, and in your family. We need God's presence in our nation once again. It's as though the favor of God has been lifted from our nation and oh, the spiritual battle that's raging right now in our nation. Good maps take us to good places. Bad maps take us to bad places. I want to encourage you that God's Word is a map back in to His presence. Number two, I want to talk to you about the good map of God's precepts. The good map of God's precepts. There's nothing that can take the place of truth, God's truth. Truth that Jesus said, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Jesus said, thy, thy word is truth. God's word is truth. In a world filled with lies and filled with deception and filled with confusion, the one thing we can count on is what God's Word says. And God has an answer for everything. God has a map for every aspect of your life. It's amazing how practical the Word of God is. It's a road map to your relationships. Who to go into partnership with, who not to go into partnership with. It's found in Scripture. Who to marry, who not to marry. is found in, in Scripture. Uh, how to make money, how to save money, how to invest money, how to grow in wealth. It's all within God's holy scriptures. There are so many wonderful, powerful, spiritual, and practical things found in God's Word. That's why the psalmist said in Psalm 119, verse 19, I am but a pilgrim here on earth. That's all that we are. We're pilgrims. We're passing through. We're tourists. Okay? We're, we're tourists. This is not our permanent home. Like it says, of, it says about Abraham... He was looking for that city whose builder and maker was God. We're looking for that glorious city, heaven. We're just passing through. Don't get too comfortable. Don't enjoy this world too much because everything in this world is fading. It's fading. It's going away. But only that which is unseen is eternal. And so the psalmist had it right. He said, I'm but a pilgrim here on earth. How I need a map. Turn to your neighbor and tell him in love, you need a map. We need a map. We need God's map. And what's the map? The psalmist said, your commandments are my chart and guide. Isn't that interesting? God's commandments is our chart and our guide. How, how should I live my life, Lord, according to my precepts? God, I need to make an important decision over here. I, I need wisdom. God's Word has that wisdom. God, why am I not feeling fulfilled and why is there no longer a sense of joy in my life? God, where have I gotten off the path of life? It's found in here. Jesus talked about two roads. He talked about one road was straight and narrow, kind of like the aisle right here in Trinity Central. Straight and narrow. And he said, you know, only a few people find it. And he said, he was honest. I love the honesty of our Savior. 
He said, at times, it's very difficult. There's another road. It's broad, it's wide, it's well paved, with good intentions. <laughs> it's well lit up. The devil takes great care of that broad and wide road, and there are many traveling down that road. But it leads to destruction. And how so many are on that road right now. True story. Maybe you remember two years ago. It happened to be women, but there was a, a carload of women in an SUV. They had a GPS. They were going to a Costco convention in Washington State. Well, the directions on their GPS, sometimes if you only follow those directions and you throw out common sense, you can kind of get tunnel vision. They followed the directions, turn where it said to turn, go as far as it said to go, and it led them down a boat ramp straight into a lake. And the other female passengers never said anything as the woman driving the vehicle drove straight into the lake. What's the lesson? No, guys, it's not. It, that's, uh, no, don't even go there. It could have been guys. It just happened to be women drivers. Guys, no, don't go there. What's the lesson? Sometimes if we only listen to the ways of the world and what the world is saying, this is fun, do this, this is how you live, this is how you should think, this is how you should believe, this is how you should act, we're going to miss what God has for us. The world's confused. They don't know head from tails. They don't know boys from girls anymore. They don't know right from wrong anymore. Come on, don't shout me down. I know this sounds like a foreign language. The world has lost its way. You think they're happy? The people that you see on the silver screen, <laughs> they don't call that anymore, on the high-definition movies, you think those people are happy that you see on social media? On the yachts and all the fanfare and all the fame, they're dying on the inside. They're broken on the inside. Many of them are taking their own lives if not literally, slowly, by the lifestyles they have chosen. Now, if I may be so bold, if you and I follow the world's map without checking in with what God says about living and life, listen, if I may be so bold, it'll take you right down a ramp into a lake called the lake of fire. And that's what the Lord wants to prevent for all souls. He's not willing that any would perish that all would come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I'm talking about good maps will take you to good places. The good map, it'll take you back to the sacred mountain of God's presence. The good map of God's precepts, that's what we need. And finally, the good map of God's promises. Oh, oh there's nothing like God's promises. You know, I'm reading through Genesis in my devotional reading. And so I'm reading about the life of Joseph right now. And it, and it struck me today. God makes dreams come true. Not always when you want and how you want. But God gave this young boy, 17-year-old young man, Joseph, a dream. And some 13 years later, I'm in the chapters now where it's become a realization. He went from being betrayed by his brothers, thrown in a pit, betrayed by his boss's wife, and thrown in prison, something he did not do 
to making it to be the second most powerful man in the world in that day. Because God put a dream in his heart. I want you to know, the dream that God has placed in your heart, wait for it. It's for a set time, an appointed time. But never stop dreaming the dream of God for your life because God makes dreams come true. He keeps His Word and He keeps His promises. God's Word is a road map that leads you into these glorious promises. So here's what it says in 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 3. It's real practical. Do what God tells you. Hey, young people, do what God tells you, not what the world tells you, not what the majority of your friends tell you. Do what God tells you. Walk in the paths that He shows you. Follow the life map absolutely. Keep an eye out for the signposts. His course for life is set out in the revelation to Moses. That's the Old Testament holy scriptures that God gave primarily to Moses, the Pentateuch, first five books of the Bible, the holy law of God. Then, then, you'll get on well in whatever you do and wherever you go. That's God's plan. He wants you to get on well. Whatever you do and wherever you go, if you're following his map, navigating through life, he's charted out a course for you. Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the thoughts I have for you, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and to give you a hope. If you'll toss out the old maps of the world and you'll get a hold of God's map. Yeah, it's a new map. It's going to make you a little uncomfortable. It's going to make the people around you a little uncomfortable. But it will lead you into the blessed life that God has destined each of you for. Sometimes we have to walk out of bondage through a wilderness for a while to get to the promised land. I was quietly praying this morning to the Lord, and I've been walking with Jesus for 37 years. I'm like, that's a long time. Wow, it seemed like just yesterday I fell in love with Jesus. And I thought, three more years, and I will have been walking with Jesus for 40 years. And then it dawned on me, how long, Carl, were the children of Israel in the wilderness? I said, 40 years. God, is it just three more years and I enter my promised land? I'll tell you what, because this has been like a promised land the last 37 years of walking with Jesus. How many know you can walk with Jesus for a generation or two or three? It doesn't last just a year or five or ten. It lasts for eternity. Can we thank God for that? It lasts for eternity. Now I want to close with a, a famous parable. Many of you have heard it called Acres of Diamonds, a parable by Russell Conwell. He heard it when he was traveling through what is now modern-day Iraq in 1870. And it goes like this. There was once a wealthy man named Ali Hafed who lived not far from the river Indus. He was contented because he was wealthy. He was wealthy because he was contented. One day a priest visited Ali Hafed and told him about diamonds. Ali Hafed heard all about diamonds, how much they were worth, how beautiful they were. He went to his bed that night, a poor man. He had, lost, he had not lost anything, but he was poor because he was now discontented, and discontented because he feared he was poor. 
Ali Hafed sold his farm, left his family, traveled throughout the entire Holy Land and into Europe, searching for diamonds. He did not find them. His health and his wealth failed him. Dejected, he cast himself into the sea. One day, the man who had purchased Ali Hafed's farm found a curious sparkling stone in a stream that cut through his land. It was a diamond. Digging produced more diamonds, acres of diamonds. In fact, this, according to the parable, was the discovery of the famed diamonds of Golconda, which is outside of Hyderabad in India. Acres of diamonds. He didn't have to search the world over. They were in his backyard the whole time. What blessings do we not recognize that are all around us, right here, right now, right where we are, where our life presently is? Acres of diamonds in our own backyard. So many people are discontented. Why? Because the world says, unless you look this way, live this way, possess this, have this, you're missing something. But my Bible says that we've been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. I'm not waiting to be blessed. I am blessed by God Almighty. I am blessed. Are more blessings coming my way? Absolutely. But I don't seek after the hand of God. I seek after the face of God. Because if you'll seek after the face of God, you'll get the hand of God. But if you only seek after the hand of God, you'll miss the face of God. And we don't want to miss His face, His glory, which is seen in the face of Jesus. You've got to be happy with who you are, what you are, and where you are. That doesn't mean, that's not an excuse to not want to grow. That's not an excuse to not want to have more of God and to be more and to live more and experience more of life. But there's something about being content with where you are. The Bible talks about divine spiritual contentment. Paul said, whatever state I'm in, I've learned to be content. I've been full and I've been empty. I've been rich. I've been poor. But I learned something. Life changes. Seasons change. Things come. Things may go in my life. But I'm content with who I am in my relationship with Jesus. So many people are discontented. If they could only be that person, if they could only live here, if they could only live there, if they could only have that job, oh, I would be happy if I had that job. No, you wouldn't. I'd be happy if I could live someplace else. No, you wouldn't. Because if you're not happy now, guess who moves over to that new city with you? You can't leave yourself behind. You will go with you. And if you're not happy now, I promise you, I'm not a prophet. But I promise you, you won't be happy then. But the guarantee is this. If you're happy now, wherever God leads you, wherever God sends you, wherever God plants you, you'll be happy there because you've learned the secret of contentment. I know. Be content but never be satisfied. That sounds like a contradiction, no? Contentment is a spiritual state, a spiritual condition. Satisfaction is a sense of I'm always hungering for more of God and I know that he has more for me and more for my family and more for my marriage. Sometimes people use contentment as an excuse to be lazy. Continue to trust God and believe God and seek after God but make sure he's first place and know everything you need to be fulfilled and happy 
you have right now. My wife and I were happy when we were living in a two-bedroom apartment, barely getting by. At times, she couldn't buy makeup because we just didn't have it in the budget. But you know what? We never robbed God. We always honored God. And from now to this day, God's favor and blessing has been with us. And we've learned to be content because God is with us. And that's what the writer of Hebrews says. Cast away, don't cast away your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. And he said, the Lord is for you and the Lord is with you. And because you are confident in the fact that the Lord is with you, you can be content with where you're at in life. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm happy with who I am, what I am. Go on, I'm happy with who I am, what I am. Jesus has blessed me. I know there are more blessings coming our way, but you know what? We're living in God's blessing right now. Can we thank God for his blessings over our families, over our lives right now? If you're single, you're blessed. If you're married, you're blessed. The single people say, well, until I get married, I'm not going to be happy. No, you can be happy now. I know it's not easy, but marriage isn't easy either. Ask anyone that's been married over six days. Come on, somebody. <laughs> the first week is like heaven on earth. The second week's coming, darling. Don't worry. <laughs> now you got to learn how to live together for the next 40, 50, 60 years until Jesus calls you home. Acres of diamonds. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you today for the roadmap that leads us to the sacred mountain of your presence. Thank you for the roadmap that leads us to your holy precepts that protect us and guard us and keep us. Thank you for the roadmap that leads us to your promises. That not only do you give dreams, you fulfill dreams. and You make dreams come true. God is not somewhere out there. The kingdom of God is within us. We have that treasure now in Christ. I pray your grace and blessing. I pray for those here today, Lord, that need to trade in their old map for a new map the map of your word that can chart and map out and guide them through this world of theirs to lead them to your divine destiny for their lives. Now with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here today and you need to rededicate your life to Christ or you've never surrendered your life over to Jesus, I'm going to ask you to open up your heart and receive his love, grace, and forgiveness. He loves you. He's standing at the door of your heart, knocking, wanting to get in, according to Revelation 3.20. So open up your heart. You say, well, how do I do that? The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart God and raise him from the dead, you'll be saved. So I want you to pray this prayer out loud with the rest of us. Say it with your own mouth. Mean it from your own heart. Here we go. Dear God in heaven, I know I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And there's only one Savior. His name is Jesus. I call upon you, Jesus. I ask you now, come into my heart. Come into my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. I turn from sin to the true and living God. I receive his love, his grace, and his forgiveness. Dear God in heaven, you're now my Father, and I am your child. Fill me now with your Holy Spirit. Give me strength to live for you and serve you all the days of my life, beginning today for the rest of eternity. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Can we thank the Lord together, church family?